You are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. Amen. So let's turn to Ezra chapter 4, verse 1. Praise God. It's been a great, great weekend. Ezra chapter 4, verse 1, the Bible says, Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the children of the captivity builded the temple unto the Lord God of Israel, then they came to Zerubbabel and to the chief of the fathers and said to them, let us build with you. How many of you like help on the job? Gets the job done faster. Especially, well, when you like things done a particular way, you're like, no, stay away. This is a big project. Uh, They said, let us build with you, for we seek your God. That sounds good. As you do. And we do sacrifice unto him since the days of Esar Hadon, king of Assur, which brought us up hither. But Zerubbabel and Jeshua and the rest of the chief of the fathers of Israel said unto them, ye have nothing to do with us, to build a house unto our God. We ourselves together, somebody say together, will build unto the Lord God of Israel as King Cyrus the king of Persia hath commanded us. Then the people of the land weakened the hands of the people of Judah and troubled them in building and hired counselors, somebody say counselors, against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius king of Persia. Amen. It's been a great youth week, but God did give me a specific word for this church, and I'm thankful for that. And the Lord wants to minister this morning to you and speak to you on burn the letter. Burn the letter. Let's pray one more time. I want you to be honest with the Lord this morning and transparent with what you've been really battling with, what's really been on your mind, what's really been on your heart. Let's be honest. Let's lift our hands and our voices together in unity because God's going to do a powerful work this morning, and I want to be a part of it. Jesus, we thank you for your word and spirit, for without you, we can do nothing, Father. And we're thankful, God, for the generations, decades of prayer and fasting that have contributed to bring us to this point, Father. But, Father, that work is not over, Lord Jesus We make ourselves available to participate with the agenda of heaven this morning. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. Let's say that together. In Jesus' name. And clap our hands unto the Lord. And shout hallelujah. One more time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated. Amen. Amen. The book of Ezra. He was a contemporary of Nehemiah and some other great men of God that we read throughout the Bible. You know, it's interesting. We can forget, if you read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, we can forget sometimes that a good number of these people lived at the same time as others. You need to remember 
that there are many other people just like you, just like us, that are pursuing after the things of God, just like you are. You're not in this alone. You're not in the pursuit of planning more works alone. You're not in the pursuit of raising and training up your children in the way of God on your own. You're not committing and giving like you are on your own. You're not the only one at your school that wants more of God. You're not the only one on your job that wants more of God. God is positioning you in order for you to come in contact with these people that you don't even know about. You know, some of these men didn't know that others were living in the same time. Some of these women had no idea that there was others pursuing God, hearing from God, and obeying God on great measure. And others did. Others did. Aren't you thankful to be a part of a church where you got connected with people that were hearing from God, obeying God, and doing the will of God in their lives. Amen. That's important. That's why you can't be isolated. That's why you can't just let yourself be yourself between God and you because you need to be aware of what God is doing around the world and with others. We're thankful for this church that gives to missions. But it's important that we also get connected with those around us. It's important. Because Jesus did not say, upon this rock, I will build my person. Or I will build one person. He said, I will build my church. Somebody say church. Church. We face a lot of junk before we get into the church. And here's the real factor. Here's the real truth. We face a lot of junk even after we become a part of the church. If we're going to be honest this morning, there are some things we never thought we would face after we came out of the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, speaking with other tongues as we received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But you faced it. You faced it. And you faced it sometimes in the house of your own friends. You faced it and amongst others that you did not think would bring hurt to you. And many times those people did not even know they were causing hurt to you. That's one of the great complexities of being in the kingdom of God. Is that sometimes it's actually very rare that we cause hurt on somebody knowingly. And it's actually very rare that we, that we get hurt by somebody knowingly. Most of the time, and this is what causes such complexity in our spirit, is that we face the hurt by people that didn't know they were inflicting it. And that's why the adversary takes advantage. Because he's working in, say, ambiguity. Ambiguity. He's working in the vague. He's working in the unclear. He's working in darkness. He's working in darkness. Now, the Bible says that the Lord created darkness. See, many times the devil's just as lost as you are where you are at. See, we think that he, he's got, he's got these spiritual night vision goggles. That he knows what's all the next steps we're going to take. He knows 
all the thoughts we're having. He knows what God's going to do in every facet. We think he's got these spiritual night vision goggles, but that's not the case. Many times he's just as lost, just as caught off guard as you are by what the Lord is supernaturally orchestrating in your life. That's what we need to understand regarding when we walk into a season of darkness. See, God has his ways. He's very strategic, and he's not bringing you through the wilderness for you to be lost. He's not bringing you through the wilderness because he's trying to set you up to get overtaken by the adversary. That's what flesh thinks. Flesh has its thoughts too. Amen. Not just the devil. Flesh has its thoughts. And we've got to be aware of what's happening. But we become aware not by trying to concoct some spiritual night vision goggles. How many times have we gone to God in prayer in a time of wilderness and we think to ourselves, I'm just trying to build some night vision goggles in the middle of this storm, in the middle of this season, in the middle of this wilderness. And we try to do something in the flesh that can only be achieved in the spirit. And what ends up happening is that we, we sow confusion because we're trying to essentially beat a nail into the wall with a pen. And we don't have the equipping of the spirit where we're at and a wilderness becomes a wandering. It is the will of God for every great journey in God. That we go through, say it, a wilderness. You cannot exempt your life from the wilderness. You cannot. You cannot. There it is. That's the revelation. Why you are where you're at. You cannot exempt yourself from the wilderness. But you can exempt yourself from the wandering. The wilderness was only supposed to be about two and a half weeks at the most. But the wilderness became a wandering of 40 years. 40 years. How many of you got promises from God that at the rate that this world is going and the rate that prophecy is being fulfilled, we may not be here for 40 years and you don't have 40 years for those prophecies to come to pass. You can say amen. That's not unbelief. That's urgency. We don't have the time that we had 100 years ago. To figure out the things that God is wanting to do in the spirit. In fact, the Lord is trying to accelerate the revelation that he's giving his people. But you ever have a growth spurt? My wife, maybe not so much, praise God. But I love her. I love her height. I couldn't marry anybody shorter or taller. But yeah, a growth spurt, what does it cause? Pain. Growth spurts cause pain uncomfortable in what your lower back your thighs your your everywhere you get the weirdest pain in the weirdest places when you get a growth spurt why you're facing an acceleration of growth that causes your muscles to stretch causes your tendons and your joints to stretch there's a stretching that god is wanting to do in this church and you're feeling uncomfortable you're feeling the discomfort of a spiritual growth spurt. 
And God is challenging you to give, challenging you to pray, challenging you to fast, challenging you to commit and serve. And you feel pain in the process, not because it's not the will of God, but because God's accelerating your ability to perform that which is his will in the spirit. He's trying to accelerate you. But once we know that, it doesn't make the pain any less. It doesn't make the pain any... I remember getting up in the middle of class and when I was in middle school, and I just didn't know the pain was going to be there when I stood up. And you stand up immediately, and you get caught off guard by the pain. Just because you know the pain's going to be there doesn't mean you always know where it comes from and when it will. But when you feel the pain, you need to go to God resubmit the pain and say, Lord, this is my testimony that you are doing a great work. See, that's what flesh doesn't want to pray. We don't want to bring the pain back to God and say, God, this is the testimony that you are doing a great work. (laughs) The, The light's going off. But revelation is is here, but it's one thing to receive and another to apply. Right? It's like that fish oil. You knew it was there. You knew it would do good for you. But once you put that fish oil in your mouth, yeah, yeah. Some of you can still taste it. (laughs) The people of Israel are facing a painful moment. They were doing something good. They were doing something that God had divinely orchestrated. He had divinely orchestrated. He's divinely orchestrated what's led up to this point in this church. He's divinely orchestrated your life to get to this moment. You're not here by accident. He's divinely orchestrated every step. And though you have picked up some stuff along the way that you never thought you would, some baggage and weights that you never thought you would, God's going to give you a new restoration and renewal of strength to put off and lay aside every weight this morning that you're going to be able to run this race. You're not going to crawl this race. You're going to run this race. And God's going to give you the strength. God's going to give you the wisdom. And God's going to give you the divine strategy to do so. See, we can't just go guns a-blazing brute force in these last days. We become exhausted when we do so. We don't have time to get into that, but we'll become exhausted if we try to brute force our way into this end time. We've got to be wise as people of God. We've got to have supernatural wisdom to navigate the junk that gets thrown, not just at our lives, but our families, our church, our groups, our youth group, our our kids' classes. We need the supernatural wisdom of God. And it's not going to come by the flesh. In fact, if we try to, if we could start in the spirit and end up in the flesh. It's one of the most challenging verses to me. We could start in the spirit. It's great to start in the spirit. It's a whole other thing to stay in it. How many of you just felt that inspiration? You got up in the morning, went to prayer, you were energized, you were ready, and about five minutes in. I need to go to the grocery store, buy that. Oh, that sounds so good to make for lunch today. 
oh, I'm running out of gas. I need to go to the gas. Yeah, get the gas station. It's great to start in the spirit. That's a whole challenge in itself. But it's another whole thing to stay in the spirit and finish in the spirit. It is the will of God. This church has started in the spirit. This church is staying in the spirit. But it's a whole other thing, and it's your challenge, it's your opportunity, it's your growth moment to finish in the Spirit what God started in the Spirit. God's wanting to finish in the Spirit through the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, what started decades ago. It started with prayer and fasting. It started with home Bible studies. It started with revival in homes. And it's going to finish that way, Sister Ellis. It's going to finish that way. It's going to finish that way. It started with angelic manifestation. It started with the flow of the gifts of the Spirit. It started with travail and intercession going on in services. It started with the flow of the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit. And it's going to finish that way. It's going to continue that way. From here on out, it's going it's, it's to get even better. It's going to get even more demonstrative. The praise and worship, it started with apostolic praise and worship. Unashamed. Unashamed. I know it's in the Holy Ghost. The Pasleys were mocked for the way that they pursued after God. They were mocked. I haven't talked to one person, but hear the Holy Ghost today. They were mocked for how they pursued after God. She faced some mockery in her home growing up that others did not face because of the hunger of the Pasleys and other great saints that have now gone on to their reward by how they pursued and gave all unto God. It's not going to be any different for us. It's not. It's amazing. It's amazing. Sometimes you feel like, you know, as the, I love it. I love it. And if you have plans to change it, that's fine. Praise God. But I love it that it says in the front of the Calvary Church, Apostolic Pentecostals. Because 50 years ago, that was a point of mockery. Now, everybody wants to be like the apostles. And everybody wants to have a Pentecostal service. Because you know what the Lord was doing in that time was, see... The apostolic church has always been out in front, but never alone. See, why you feel the pressure to compromise at times? Because you're not alone. You're just out in front. And when you look side to side, you don't see anybody. But what you don't realize is that God is wanting to lift up a beacon of light in this city through you, Calvary Church, that you're not alone. You're just out in front. And what you don't realize is that there's going to be other churches, other pastors that are turning more and more to this church, looking for guidance, looking for truth, looking for revelation, and to see how it's supposed to really be done. But there's a journey. There's a journey with that. There's a wilderness that the devil wants us to become a wandering, wants it to become a wandering. And that's what these people of Israel were facing in this time in a way. They were rebuilding the wall, rebuilding Israel. Could I say the, the sign and symbol of Israel's power and might, which was Jerusalem. 
And these men, which the Bible depicts them and clearly states they were adversaries. Say adversaries. adversaries. They were adversaries. You know you have an adversary? I know a lot of you know it. But you have an adversary that's just not wanting to pat you on the back. He's not just wanting to come and slip alongside you and, and uh, stroke your ego. No. He'll do that if that's what it takes. But he learns how to play the long game. He will wait 50 years to make you to compromise. He will. He will wait 50 years to try to plant all the obstacles of compromise, negotiate with you revival, negotiate with you planning more works, negotiate with you missions giving, negotiate with you submission to authority, negotiate with you submission to each other, negotiate with you getting involved in the church, negotiate, 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 compromise, negotiate, negotiate. We're going to crush the head of that negotiation this morning because the, praise God, praise God. These men came, these adversaries came to the people of Israel. They were trying to negotiate. But at first, they came in the form of a friend. They came in a form of a friendly voice. Listen, nobody in this place, it's the will of God for you to come in a friendly fashion, but really become an enemy. It's the will of God for everybody here, many more in this city, to come and be the friend and not the enemy. Be the member and not some person causing a ruckus and a mess. But somebody came, adversaries came, and they said, let us build with you. For what? We seek your God just like you do. Mm. Mm. Ah. You know what's so amazing about the devil? Amazing, the true, the true definition of amazing. He knows he can't just lift up this army by himself and take you out. He's got to try to come alongside you to get you to compromise. He can't just front you and take you out with brute force. This apostolic church has lasted many years. You know why? Because the devil can't do it just by brute force. He has got to do it in the dark. He's got to do it with some gossip over here. He's got to do it with some meddling over here and some tail bearing over here. He's got to do it. He's got to do it with some secret, secret in path or in way. Don't be scared. I'm not going to get too close and spit on you, all right? <laughs> He's got to do it strategically. The Bible says that the Lord made Lucifer full of wisdom. Yeah, he's a fool, and he's going to hell. He's full of wisdom. That's how he was created. The Bible says in Psalm 119 that it is by the word of God, I'm paraphrasing, thou hast made me wiser than my enemies through thy word. So yeah, sure, he could be made full of wisdom. Big deal. God's going to baptize this church with supernatural wisdom to navigate the waters that are here and are coming in order to achieve the will of God and be the church that God wants you to be. But we need the discerning of spirits. We need the discerning of spirits in these last days. And Zerubbabel and Jeshua had this. They said, you have nothing to do with us. We're not going to compromise the way that we're doing it. 
I came across a slogan that this church has taken on with building more works, and that's no excuses. No excuses. No compromise. No negotiations. We're going to do it because God said we would, and we have the means now. You have nothing to do with us. That's the kind of attitude we need to have with the adversary. You don't have anything to do here. You don't have anything to do with my children. You don't have anything to do with my marriage. You don't have anything to do with our leadership. Ah, I wonder if there's anybody in this church that's going to take up an intercessory mantle and say, you have nothing to do with this church. Oh, Tabashaya. I feel a warfare spirit coming on me. There's got to be intercessors, not just in the elders, not just in the middle age, but in the young people as well. And I'm just going to say it in the kids as well that are going to raise up and say, you know what? I'm going to battle and say, you have nothing to do with us, devil. You have nothing to do with us to build a house into our God. But we ourselves, somebody say ourselves together. We'll build unto the Lord God of Israel as unto Cyrus the king of Persia hath commanded us. Then the people of the land weakened the hands of the people of Judah and troubled them in the building. See, if he can't destroy you, he'll just try to diminish you. Since he can't destroy you, Calvary, he'll just try to diminish you. I know it's crossed your mind. We're so and so. Where are the people that were here five years ago? Where are the people that were here a year ago, three years ago? Selah. Because if he can't destroy you, he'll just try to diminish you. And he's trying to diminish key people in this church. And don't you listen to the voice of the adversary. He's just trying to diminish what he can't destroy. But notice the response of what happens when the adversary tries to diminish. And how he tries to diminish. Bible says that the adversary hired counselors against them to frustrate. You ready? Frustrate their purpose. You know why you're feeling the frustration that you are? You're doing something right. Just because you're doing the will of God doesn't mean you won't face frustration. Newsflash. That's why it's called faithfulness. Loyalty. Where's that nowadays? I know a lot of you are loyal. This is, a lot of you are very loyal. But there's a lot of loyalty lacking in these last days. And we need to learn how to have a fresh baptism of loyalty. But they hire counselors to frustrate their purpose. And something very interesting, the scripture states, all the days of Cyrus in verse 5, king of Persia, verse 6, and in the reign of Ahasuerus, in the beginning of his reign, they wrote unto him in accusation. Verse 7, and in the days of Artaxerxes wrote Bishlam, Mithridath, and Tabiel, and the rest of their companions unto Artaxerxes in the Syrian tongue. Ready? Excuse me. And in verse 8, they wrote a letter against Jerusalem to Artaxerxes. And you read this. Verse 11 is the letter to Artaxerxes. But before that, they're also writing letters to other kings that came across the people of Persia or reigned over the people of Persia. You know what that looks like nowadays? You ready? It's a lie that the church 
has been hearing and listening to, that revival and harvest is subject to who's in the White House. It's a lie. It's a lie that Trump had to be in the White House for the church to have revival and harvest. And it's a lie that we can't have revival and harvest because Biden's in office. I, I, even if a socialist takes office in White House, it's a lie that we can't have revival and harvest and that Calvary Church is not going to be a part of the spear and the head of the spear for that revival and harvest to take place in Cincinnati. Because time after time, the adversary sent letters to those that were in office. Let the, the people in the office make a decree. See, the adversary, he can't just confront the church himself. He has to try to use some political maneuver to try to sway the people of God into a comfort zone and not push the envelope. Mm. But you know what? The Bible says, what was particularly on that letter that was continuously sent to those that were reigning over Persia. The Bible says it was, somebody say it, an accusation. An accusation. You know what? There's a lot of accusations why this church shouldn't have revival and harvest. There's been gossip in this church. There's been betrayal. There's been backbiting. There's been wrath. There's been strife. There's been envy. There's been hatred. There's been lying. There's been adultery. There's been heresies. There's been drunkenness. There's been compromise. There's been emulations. There's been murders. There's been rebellion. And if you're honest, you'd be the first person to say amen for yourself. Amen. That's the letter. And he flashes it. And I know this is true in the Holy Ghost. He flashes it in front of Pastor Tom Ellis, his wife, and the leadership of this church. He says, yeah, you can't have it because you, you did this this many years ago, and it's on the record of heaven. He, that's what he tries to say. Yeah, yeah, you can't have this because your kid's backslid. You don't know how to be a good parent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you did this many years ago, and now your kids are doing the same thing you did because you couldn't lead a good example in the home of what it means to be a godly parent. Yeah, you gossiped many years ago, and now you're trying to pray through? Don't, no, don't, don't try to do that. Yeah, you said you would never do this, but now you're doing it, and you're giving your kids a bad example. That, that's the voice of the adversary. And he's got a letter of accusation against this church. You know what? Church, we need to start burning that letter of why the adversary said we can't have revival. We need to burn that letter. We need to burn that letter. You need to go home and say, you know what? It did happen. It did happen. That's what he doesn't want you to think or say. He doesn't want you to be honest. Honesty is so hard. It is so hard. Marriage has taught me that. But listen, men, say, I'm a part of the bride. We've got a marriage supper coming, church. 
We need to learn how to be honest with God. And what we're facing in these last days is real stuff. And we're going to need a clear sound from the pulpit. And I know you get a clear sound from the pulpit in this church, but we need a clear sound from the pew. Let's stand, church. I know you're ready to pray. I know you're ready to pray, church. And if you're a guest in this house, you came the right day. You know why? Because there's nothing more beautiful. I, I contend there's nothing more beautiful in the eyes of God than an honest heart. Let's go to front, church. Let's come to the front. If you're in the balcony, just make a sign. Make a step of faith. If you're a guest here this morning, listen, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. God, God really does miracles in lives. God really does deliver people from sin. And I want to share a quick story real quick. Really quick. That's good. That's good, sis. Go ahead. Play, play something. Listen, church. In these last days, we need to be honest with God, but I want to share a story real quick. I was raised in a a God-fearing home. When I was 10 years old, my middle sister, I'm the youngest of three, my middle sister died from a condition called myocarditis, lung condition, heart condition, and uh, she died. I had a lot of questions going into my teens. I was 10 years old and she was 14. And you know what that did for me? wrecked my life. It wrecked my life. But what happened as a result of that, it took seven years. I would wake up in the middle of the night in sweats and panic attacks. Troubled, troubled, very troubled. And at 17 years old, when I was a a junior in high school, the Lord filled me with the Holy Ghost and I got baptized in the name of Jesus. But let me tell you something. It was very hard to talk with my family who had been raising me in a God-fearing home for many years and all they knew was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I tried to be honest with them. And I was honest with God, telling, my, telling God how strong those struggles were of wanting more for my family, but that's all I knew, how to communicate, and I lacked a lot of wisdom. And my parents were trying to be honest with me, trying to tell me where they were and all they knew, but they that's all they could do but two years later a man of God came into the church to preach a revival and he told me on Friday night he was doing Friday, Saturday, Sunday and Friday night he looked at me after the service and he said Hector where's your family I said well my brother-in-law and my sister started coming they've been filled with the Holy Ghost but not baptized in Jesus name my parents aren't even a part of this church he looks at me and he says by the end of the weekend they all will be supernaturally my parents my my sister walked out of the Sunday service just like right now she would have walked out and I see her pacing around the parking lot on the phone she calls my parents my brother-in-law was getting set up to get baptized in Jesus name that morning and the three of them got baptized in Jesus name that night and all got refilled with the Holy Ghost in the why do I share that why do I share that You are a catalyst where you're at. Not where you're going to be. You're a a catalyst. Say it right now. You're a catalyst. Say it right now. Right now. But there's some things that need to get burned along the way. You're not going to let the voice of accusation stop you from getting what God wants for you.
Let's lift our hands, church. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.